the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Everybody, happy Thursday, and welcome to the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life, alongside Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Really happy to have you joining us today. Uh, you can find us, as always, on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. Our Facebook page has had some uh, lively debates over the past. Ooh, couple lively! Of days. That's a safe word to use. And so sometimes when I see the debates going on, I'm often wondering: Are people commenting like uh, assuming what we believe? But uh, if you they think are, people, they are. you think people are assuming. I don't know. Huh. I literally was reading that the other day because the article had that they were coming. I had a bit of a slant. So I was wondering, like, do they think that's us? Even though it literally just said thoughts. <laughs> that is why we intentionally do that because sometimes I, I, I think we probably need to be careful in that regard because sometimes people maybe don't get a chance to listen to that particular that's segment. Right. So they just see that we posted an article from this side or that yeah. side yeah. or this side. And, yeah, we're usually just kind of throwing it out there. We're, uh, we're we're radio provocateurs. So if you're wondering what we're talking about, head over to our Facebook page. Oh, you can do smart, that at smart. The Common Good Radio Show, Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Uh, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, and uh, excited and thankful for those of you who do that. Well, uh, it is Christmas season, and uh, with that in mind, I saw this article at Religion News, and I, I just want to get your feel for it. It's a couple days old. Uh but it's about the nativity scene at Claremont United Methodist Church in Claremont, California. So I'm familiar. we all know what's that? <laughs> I'm familiar. You're familiar. So we all know the nativity scene. Most churches or individuals, a lot of people, I should say, have them outside their houses. Uh, but at this particular one, at this particular church, it says mannequins of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are separated in individual cages topped with barbed wire. A baby Jesus is wrapped in what resembles to be a mylar blanket, similar to the sheets that migrants have been given in holding cells. Uh, on a podium, the message reads, what if this family sought refuge in our country today? And Reverend Martha Morales of this church said the intention was not to be controversial or political. Interesting. Instead, she said the church is trying to be faithful to its calling to do God's work. She said our purpose is to say this is what we believe God is calling us to do. You've got to call out evil and lift up justice. And then the, the, it goes on to say uh, how many people have been coming, tons of people coming uh, to see this. And then this article goes on to talk about uh, the number of nativity scenes that do that. So, for instance, in Canada, uh, a similar nativity emerged in Toronto, showing a baby Jesus wrapped in a solar blanket in a cage. Uh, there are ones around LGBTQ issues. There's one uh, out west about climate change. Uh, and one in Dedham, Boston, uh, Dedham, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, set up a nativity scene last week to remind viewers about the impact of climate change as well as inside the glass manger, plastic bottles and other trash float past Jesus, Mary and Joseph as they are swept away in waves of blue. 
Uh, and it says, beneath the water, the shepherd's flock and the wise men's camels are drowning. So uh, here's what here. So you might be wondering, what are we asking this for? <laughs> I don't want to know what you think necessarily about that or any of those nativity scenes, although you're welcome to uh, comment on those. Here's my question. Okay. What are your thoughts about using things like nativity scenes or religious symbols uh, in general uh, to score political points or to make some sort of score political points, wrong way to put it, to make a political point? Well, the person in the article that we're referencing outright says they're not trying to make a political point. So I'm assuming you don't, I don't believe that. I don't. It's a, I mean, it's hard to talk about uh, immigration and put them in cages and stuff like that and say that that's not a political statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so you said at some level, you don't think it's necessarily political at every level. It just has political undertones. <clears throat> They're making a political point about immigration. And so she's saying this is our calling from God to highlight this. But I would say there's people on the other side of the political spectrum who would believe otherwise. And so it's still you, making you, a political statement. I don't know that that's necessarily true, though. Couldn't. Couldn't you conceive of them saying, no, we're making a, a humanitarian statement. We're making a comment about the treatment of people without it necessarily being – I mean there's no mention of any administration. There's no mention of any particular specific political leader like it. Correct. It does say what if this family sought refuge in our country today. Yeah. It's saying that uh, you know all immigrants are treated poorly. But uh, you make a good point. But even the ones on climate change or other things, uh, does it make you uncomfortable or do you think it's an effective way – uh, to make a point to oh those aren't ahead. those aren't mutually exclusive. There are many effective things that make me uncomfortable, and, okay. and vice versa. Okay, I how don't, about this one? I don't think it's either or. This, Good, it's a valid point. This this one it's um, provocateur. <laughs> yeah, yeah now, I, now I'm realizing I'm trying to lean into that even more. Uh, I think that I think our tradition has historically actually seen numerous depictions of religious iconography and imagery. In provocative ways, you know, I think we should do a whole show on what we mean by the word political, to be honest, because I think that sometimes that, you know, like when you said and you pulled it back, but the to score political points assumes a certain level of intent that I don't necessarily think. And I don't know these people, obviously, but if someone feels passionate about our care mm -hmm. for the earth or how we care for refugees, for us to say, like, ah, they're being political, um, I could see how and why they would disagree with that, I think. You think even about like the uh, triumphal entry of Jesus, you know, coming in not on a horse but on a donkey. That was a lampoon. That was street theater. They were using mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. certain religious, political, empire types of imagery to sort of turn everything on its ear. Jesus is kind of known for doing that. You know, the the parable of the Good Samaritan was a – he wasn't the first person to tell that parable. He just twisted it. That's true. So the conclusion, the third character of that story, you know, historically was – your average everyday Jew. And so that was the moral of the story. And then Jesus uses it and says, actually, then a Samaritan comes along. Yeah. That would have been deeply offensive, I think, for a lot of like pious Jews. Like you're using one of our narratives to say a different, a, a different, uh, to come to a different conclusion. So I, I think that the Christian faith has long used images and ideas and narratives and um, changed them or tweaked them to make a, make a, make a point of some kind. I, I don't think that, the incarnation, the entrance of Jesus into this world is devoid of weighing in on some of the issues that these churches are trying to weigh in on. I don't think it's about, can we just let cute baby Jesus be cute baby Jesus and <laughs> not get it all muddied with all this political stuff? I don't, I don't, I don't think that's actually honest to what the incarnation means or uh, what the implications of that are. Um, would you feel otherwise, uh, not you, even you, but just do you think it would have a different feeling if there was 
if Joseph was carrying a an AR-15 with a and the, and the sign said this would have kept Herod away <laughs> or some like as yeah. a gun control like as a gun advocacy thing or uh, all of that makes me uncomfortable. I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to get you to say it makes you uncomfortable because I, I think it all makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I think it's fair for it to make you uncomfortable. Yep. I'm okay with but that. You're saying making you uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong to use it in that way. Nor am I even necessarily saying that it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm just more uncomfortable about things. <laughs> I don't know if that's always true. Yeah, I, I think there's certain – and again, obviously, my guess is most people listening know that under the banner of Christian mm-hmm. are 17,000 different denominations just in the United States alone that come to all sorts of different political Correct. theological conclusions. So. That gets tricky, obviously, and yeah. I, I think it's understandable that there's all these uh, – there's a great disparity among a lot of these positions. And if the yeah. whole goal is just you know, to promote your church and to booster church attendance, that actually probably make me the most uncomfortable. Like, yes. That feels exploitative. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're going to do this thing to get in the news so that people will attend our <laughs> candlelight service. Like, look, that part feels the most gross. But the, the, That would the, be the, awful if that was the end goal. And I think sometimes that might be. That, yeah, that yeah. to me, that exploitative type of you know capitalistic mindset in this context is, is frustrating. But the difference is you know, they, they were actually families traveling, running, hiding. Mm-hmm. They didn't have an AR-15. You know, that would be like the introduction <laughs> of a different item that yeah. isn't actually true to their narrative. But I, yeah, again, I think you're – I'm probably a, a teensy bit uncomfortable just because it does feel politically charged yeah, in, a, yeah, yeah. in a way that is maybe not helpful, but we're talking about it now, so maybe it is. Maybe I, it's helpful. That's a, that's a good that's a good way to put it. I'd love to hear uh, – we'd love to hear your your feedback. Uh, you could do that at Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. We're off and running on this Thursday afternoon. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a, a blog that discusses fruitful ministry in a changing age. That's coming up next here on the Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you with us today. Find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show. You can find us on Twitter at Common Good Talk. Find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. And as always, you can find old shows at 1160hope.com. Uh, you can even see our smiling faces there. See what we look like. Every time I see that photo, I'm like, that is not a good representation no, of how we normally day, look. It was, like, it was like in a warehouse. It was like. Oh, yeah. I thought we were going to die. I did, too. I was driving there going, where am I going? You're like, drive to the corner. You'll see a man named Poncho. He'll give you the directions. He'll give you the code into I'm the like, door. Wait, what? What is going <laughs> on? I'm wearing here? a dress shirt. <laughs> we both pulled up around the same time. We were like, are we? Are we at the right place? Is this where we meet our end? It was very odd. Right? Oh, that was so true. I forget that. But if you want to see that picture, go ahead to 1160hope.com. Uh, I'm, I'm in a dress shirt. Ian's in a cardigan, and away we go. So uh, I don't think I'm in a cardigan in the shot. Really? <laughs> We've only been doing this a year. I have no idea. We even shot a video that day. Yeah, that was a crazy day. That was a crazy day. I mean, that's, that's not, I don't know that's the definition of a crazy day. I'm 42. That was a crazy day. <laughs> photographs in a video. <laughs> Honey, it was wild. We shot a video. They you put would, a couch in a warehouse. You would not believe. She's like, uh-huh, yeah, pass the gravy. That sounds like an awesome day. <laughs> well, I do like gravy, though. So uh, there is a pastor, teaching pastor at a church called Orlando Grace Church, mm. and uh, his name is Jim Davis. He serves as the teaching pastor there. Uh, he, they, he says him and his wife also speak for Family Life's Weekend to Remember Marriage Conferences. And so we came across a blog of his that was that was just interesting. It's called this Fruitful Ministry in a Changing Age. He says the 20th century in many ways 
represented the climax of Christian influence in the United States as churches established a massive physical footprint, exercised significant social and political power, sent missionaries to every corner of the map. While there were contributing factors to the rise of Christian influence uh, in the West, at the end of the day, God just seemed to bless uh, with a fertile spiritual soil. And then he goes on to say, as this soil hardens in the 21st century, uh, which uh, can be debated, but he says, while it's hardening, the church is struggling to identify the problems and adapt to a rapidly changing culture. Uh, He says, in seasons of high fruit, we tend to employ practices that simply don't work in seasons of low fruit. So that's interesting. Hmm. And he says, as we progress into 2020, we say goodbye to many church tactics we enjoy in the more fertile 20th century, and we say hello to some much older ones. And so I appreciate this. He's saying... Uh, if we're in a different cultural landscape right now, then it it, it would behoove churches and Christians hmm. uh, to not use old practices, right? Uh, it sounds biblical, old wineskins and such. Uh, and so— uh, You I, think the wineskins was about practices and tactics? No, okay. It was right. not. It was I not. just I couldn't let that oh, go. Sorry. so out of context. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make we sure We should have a buzzer the... that goes up, out of context, <laughs> out of context. <laughs> Bad theology walk, watchdog. <laughs> It just starts barking at us. <laughs> out of context. Ah, that'd be funny Ooh, and that annoying. That is funny. Uh, so here are some of the things that he says that the church uh, should in, employ in the uh, 21st century. So ready? And he, what's interesting is he's kind of hearkening back as old ones. So it's kind of a list here. Let me read the first one. I would just love to know your reactions. Think okay. if, you, if you think he's right. He says, number one, a return to relationships. He says, in the 20th century, we largely let the organization do the evangelism. We packed stadiums, piped in preachers, and made church, quote, relevant enough to invite unbelieving friends. Uh, even our attempts at personal evangelism were often organized as we went door to door, gospel tracts in hand, uh, washing our hands of anyone who doesn't pray to receive Christ. Uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, relationships, though, have always been the main vehicle by which the kingdom grows. In much of the world, it's assumed that someone would join the community of believers before they take on the faith of the community. And then he goes on to say, relationships were Jesus's strategy, and in the 21st century, they must be ours as well. Church leaders must be equipping all their people to engage the Great Commission. Thoughts on a return to relationship? Yeah, to me, I, this one I think is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing more and more of this, particularly at community with our community 412 efforts mm-hmm. where you know a lot of these things are efforts to you know invest in our communities and actually care for families and communities and i think people are responding to those mm-hmm. like unbelieving non-churched unchurched neighbors are like oh you guys are giving back at christmas time yeah i'd be a part of that yeah and they'll sometimes be a part of that for a few years before they even maybe realize that we're a part of a church so they'll actually serve oh yeah yeah because oh, they believe in the cause they're yeah. like yeah that's good that's good stuff i could i could sign off on that that's a good thing for me and my family to do and that's yep. birthed out of relationships so i think yeah i think we're gonna see more and more of that and you and i have talked about some of our baggage with evangelism where it was devoid of relationship <laughs> right and, almost uh, entirely yeah and so that's that that is a welcome return if this is true number two He says, a return to Sunday. Hmm. He says, as the spiritual crops grew high in the 20th century, probably no aspect of our faith was more affected than Sunday. Uh, In many evangelical circles, the role of Sunday morning shifted subtly in some churches and not so subtly in others, from primarily serving the believer to primarily serving the unbeliever. Cues were taken from concerts, teachings were modified, and membership was traded for anonymity. He says, cue the contextualization crisis. 
Uh, an over-contextualized church, on the other hand, allows the context to drive too much of the church service. So he goes on to close this one to say, the more our culture changes, the less church primarily for evangelism works because all get less of what we need. Ironically, studies show he says that the more our churches look like the world around us, the less younger generations trust it. 21st century fruitfulness will depend on faithfulness to how Sunday is designed to work. Curious what you think. I think I've been around you long enough to know what you're going to say. Oh, really? All right. I always get a little nervous anytime uh, one person says the way Sunday was designed to work. You're like, okay, hold on. Yep. I think there were a lot of really, really smart disagreements with how Sunday's necessarily supposed to look and function. But I think what he said about young people and their trust, I think is spot on. Mm-hmm. I think young people in particular have high radars, highly attuned radars to spot an attempt at a mimic or anything that's too polished. And uh, I think those kind of go hand in hand when they're like, oh, this looks kind of like a U2 concert, yeah. just not as good. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he's probably on something there too. Yep. All right. Last one he writes is a return to a four-chapter gospel. Somewhere in the individualized 20th century, he writes, we radically individualized the gospel and reduced it from a four-chapter story to a two-chapter story. Ask the average Christian to explain the gospel, and depending on their theological voc- vocabulary, you will hear something between uh, penal substitutionary atonement and forgiveness of sin. Certainly, the gospel is not less than this, but it is most definitely more, he says. To say that the gospel is simply forgiveness of sin is like getting a ticket to Disney and being more excited about the ticket itself than the ticket that you get access to. The true gospel takes us past chapter 2 on the forgiveness of our sin and all the way to chapter 4, a new heaven and a new earth where Jesus reigns and we enjoy him without any pain, sin, or strife for eternity. What do you think about that one? Uh, I think it's well said. I mean, I think, I don't even know if the average church attender is aware that there's like seven predominant atonement theories, you know, and how we even talk about penal substitutionary or Christus Victor or ransom theory or any of that stuff. Like, I don't know that we do a good job of talking about, you know, Scott McKnight, I think think it was McKnight. He talks about them like as, um, as golf clubs. Golf clubs in a bag. Oh, these, different, these different theories. It's like, yeah, they're they're different theories. None of them fully encapsulate, but they're useful for different functions, yeah. much like in a golf game. I actually really like that analogy and like the way that we talk about the holistic move. Yeah. When I hear people are like, "Jesus came to die," I'm like, yeah. "Well, I'm, I actually don't know that that's entirely true. Mm-hmm. I think that there, I think that's a really, really, really significant part of it." Yep. But I think it's I think it's bigger than that. I like that. I've not heard the golf club one. That's pretty yeah, good. I, pretty I don't good. know if it's McKnight. My apologies if it's not. Instead I think of like you've got to choose one and, and die. Right. On Here that. are the no. seven main ones. Yep. You yep. choose which camp you are. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I think the best thing about this blog is a reminder that that we live in kind of a new age of, of what it was, say, in the late 1900s uh, to now. And that requires – uh, some rethinking about how we reach people with the gospel, how we talk about Jesus. Hmm. And I like that he's saying it's actually a return to this and that and not some sort of all new way that we do it. So it's I like new wineskins. There you go. <laughs> 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 well, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about two good feel-good stories at Christmas time. things to make our hearts feel warm. That's coming up next year on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. Soraya Lewis is a food for the poor employee in our Haitian office in Port-au-Prince. Soraya, there's not a lot of news coverage about what's happening in Haiti at the present moment. Can you give us a first-hand account of what's going on, what the situation is? What's going on right now is that there's just a lot of turmoil and it's affected the lives of Haitians everywhere around the country. There's a food shortage, a lot of insecurity 
And it's just very chaotic to live in Haiti right now. Life for the average Haitian family has been just uncertain because waking up on a daily and not knowing if you're going to be able to put food on the table is just the worst feeling. And it's, it's constant uncertainty because we don't know when things are going to get better. We don't really know where to turn at, to just have more peace of mind. So extreme uh, lack of food because of the drought, crops aren't growing, livestock is dying, food prices just unreachable. Most people can't afford to feed their family. I know the water situation is also a huge concern. Talk a little bit about that. About a month ago, I was in Cornillon where Food for the Poor intervened rapidly because it was a water crisis there. It was painful to watch, really. People just lining up the entire day, just waiting to find water. What they did was they had water trucks um, responding to the emergency. So the truck would go by through the city the entire day and stop at various points to distribute water. But it just felt like their lives just revolved around the idea of being able to find water. That's, that's all they did. That's not normal. It was like nothing I've seen before. Again, that translates what a lot of Haitian families are going through, not just about water, but also about food, also about basic health, just not being able to go to a hospital because hospitals are closed, because doctors are not getting paid, and they refuse to go in because they're not able to support their families themselves. People are waking up every day and not being able to meet their basic needs. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm, and uh, we are excited again to be joined by Todd Chapman. Todd is uh, from Food for the Poor, and that story you heard there was trying to paint the picture of the humanitarian crisis uh, going on in the nation of Haiti. So first of all, Todd, thank you so much for uh, joining us again today. Hey, thanks, guys. Always love to be with you. Absolutely. Uh, That was just powerful to hear. Can you talk about what Food for the Poor, especially for those who haven't heard uh, heard us talk about it yet, uh, what is Food for the Poor doing? What is the opportunity that people have to make a difference in the nation of Haiti? Yeah, sure. So, uh, first of all, a little uh, background on Food for the Poor, uh, because I never want to assume that uh, any of our listeners have heard of Food for the Poor, even though we are one of the largest international relief and development organizations in the United States, right. uh, 38 years old, uh, and uh, have been in, in Haiti, actually, for more than 30 years, working hand-in-hand with the local church. But a lot of people haven't heard from uh, Food for the Poor and don't really realize the scope of all the work that God does through Food for the Poor, frankly, because we just don't spend a lot of money uh, you know, advertising uh, across the country. Instead, we choose to give that money to the poor uh, and make a, a difference in the developing world. And so maybe you've never heard of Food for the Poor, although I'm pretty confident if you've listened to uh, 1160 Hope for any length of time uh, over the last few years, you've probably from time to time uh, heard about or maybe even been a part of our, our many partnerships uh, with uh, with the station. And uh, But basically, Food for the Poor, our 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 Foundational verse is Matthew twenty five uh, thirty four, where, where basically Jesus said, "You know, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me." And uh, so, uh, you know, for thirty eight years now, we have just partnered with uh, the church in countries like Haiti and Guatemala, about eighteen countries around the world now, and uh, we have uh, just sought to minister to the abject poor, people that are trying to survive in some of the poorest countries in the world. And they're trying to live on maybe a dollar, two dollars a day. 
And uh, the only way that uh, we've actually been able to to make a difference is is just because of the generosity of people like our listeners, people like you that have, uh, you know, you hear about the need and you choose to give a gift of uh, $100 or $200 or $500 or $27 a month, whatever God lays on your heart. And uh, with your generous gifts, we're able to work with local churches, local pastors, and turn your gifts into food, into clean, safe drinking water. We've built uh, thousands, actually hundreds of thousands of homes uh, across 38 years, uh, which is another huge need uh, in in these countries. And, you know, in short, this is an opportunity for you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And in this case, guys, in Haiti, which is the poorest country in this side of the world and going through a really, really hard time right now with uh, this food crisis. All right, so the number to call right now is 855-901-4673. That's 855-901-4673. Or you can go to 1160hope.com, click the Haiti Humanitarian Crisis there at the top. And uh, here's the ask. $320, a one-time gift, which breaks down to about $27 a month, provides food for a year and water for life for one family. Maybe you're thinking... And we can do way more than that. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's a couple of families in your block. But we are really, really calling on our common good family uh, to care for these other families. And I'm wondering, in just a couple of minutes, Todd, could you tell us a bit about what it's like to sort of be on the ground to see some of what you're talking about? Yeah, so I've been to Haiti uh, more than a dozen times in my nearly 10 years with Food for the Poor, and it's it really is just gut-wrenching poverty. Uh, I, I mean, and I've traveled to a number of uh, third-world countries, but Haiti's uh, worse than anything I've ever seen and, and actually getting worse now than it uh, has over the last been in the last 10 years or so. Uh, as a matter of fact, many experts have said that uh, things in Haiti now are worse than they were in the wake of the, the earthquake of 2010. Oh, wow. That was a bad scene then but and you know it's um it's it's pretty staggering you as you drive around uh whether it be the streets of port-au-prince or out into the countryside you see people uh, desperately doing anything they can to just survive another day Hmm. and so like in port-au-prince in particular it's this beehive of activity i mean it's a city of about four million people and the streets are just jam-packed with people carrying stuff and they've got their little roadside stands set up and they're trying to sell stuff i mean everything from baggies of water to fruit to furniture to uh, you know uh, little containers of like gatorade size containers of gas i mean you name it everybody's got this hustle going on mm. but i can't you know every time i'm there i'm just like man this is just an an exercise in futility because everybody's working so hard but nobody's getting ahead mm. they're just trying to survive day to day and then if you go into a home of, uh, you know, just pretty much anybody in that country, because 90% of this country of 11 million people literally uh, lives in, on less than $2 a day. And so it's the same story, uh, you know, whether in the city or outside the city, if you go into the, the house of a typical poor person there, um, it's always the same thing. A lot of kids, never enough food. Uh, they live in little ramshackle huts uh, that are not fit for, you know, human uh, occupation. And oftentimes they're sleeping on the ground or maybe the whole family sleeping on a little mattress. They never have enough food to eat. Work is nearly impossible to find. And so it is an absolutely desperate situation. And honestly, guys, it's it's hard not to just, you know, throw up your hands and say, well, Mm -hmm. this is hopeless. You know, how's this ever going to get any better? But we can't. We can't do that, right? We can't do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, because we always have hope in Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, absent that, 
Haiti would be a very, very hopeless situation. But uh, across 38 uh, years of working in, in 18 countries and 30 of those years in Haiti, we have seen a difference uh, that you can make as a donor to Food for the Poor. Uh, one family at a time, one person at a time. And so that's why we're coming to you today and just saying, you know what, don't don't get focused on the big problem. Focus on the difference you can make mm-hmm. for one person, for one mom, for one family. And when you consider the fact that for less than a dollar a day, you can lift a family right now that literally is is in a situation where they're not eating on a daily basis, you can solve that problem for them if you just would see it in your heart to make a commitment of $27 a month. And that's what we're asking you to do mm-hmm. right now. And, guys, I'm really excited because when we started uh, this campaign earlier this month, we had about 30-some families that we had kind of uh, earmarked for the uh, 1160 Hope family. And we're down to 10 families now. So nice. we are almost done with this. And I believe that we could wrap this up in just a, a real short amount of time. It would only take just a few people saying, you know what, I've heard you talking about it. It's a busy time of year. And I'm sorry I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do it right now. So call 855-901-4673. 855-901-4673. We're asking, would you prayerfully consider making a commitment of $27 a month for the next 12 months? And with that, we're going to be able to feed a family, give them clean, safe drinking water for life. Absolutely. You could also go to 1160hope.com. That other voice you hear is Todd Chapman. He is with Food for the Poor. We're going to remain with Todd in our next segment. We're going to talk more about this humanitarian crisis and what we can do about it this Christmas season. That's next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Is it difficult to find food for your family? Things aren't easy. Some days we find food and other days we don't, so we don't eat. Sometimes I go down to the city of Kwadebuke and I sell my bee, but since I just gave birth to him and he's still a baby, so I don't, I can't go anymore. And my husband sometimes tries to work to provide, but life is hard. I don't have enough food for my body, but he's a baby. I have to breastfeed him. How long has it been since you've eaten? I eat today. I had a little bit of rice with the kids. And do you pray? And if so, what do you pray? I say, God, today you gave me a little bit of rice. I hope tomorrow you'll give me something, maybe something different, whatever you can. Welcome back to The Common Good on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. And that is uh, some audio that continues to do the job of painting the picture of the humanitarian crisis going on in the nation of Haiti. And we are uh, thrilled to be joined again by Todd Chapman from Food for the Poor. Food for the Poor is an organization we here at AIM 1160 believe very much in. And here's the opportunity you have today uh, for $27 a month or a $320 one-time gift that will provide food for a year and water for life for one entire family of four in Haiti, uh, where it's not just kind of a crisis. It is a full-blown humanitarian crisis. Uh, People not able to get food, not able to get water, not able to get electricity, and all sorts of things that we take for granted. Uh, And so uh, we are close to supporting all the families that we had intended to support. And so we're asking you to call 855-901-4673 or go to 1160hope.com. And Todd, I'm curious. You've talked a couple times about the church in Haiti that you guys 
guys work through. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you paint a picture for people of uh, what that church is like, the work they're doing in the midst of this crisis? Yeah, so you know uh, the church in in Haiti uh, is really really vibrant and alive, and I and I want people to know that because I I can't tell you how many times I'll be talking about Haiti and I get in conversations and and people uh, have kind of heard a lot of the negative stuff about Haiti as it re- as it relates to voodoo and things like that, mm-hmm. and and I've even had people say to me, well, you know, uh, Haiti's getting what it deserves because mm-hmm. of uh, voodoo and all that stuff, and and my response is always, well, first of all, uh, I pray to God and I, I thank God every day that I don't get what I deserve. Yeah, no kidding. You know, because uh, there's not a single one of us. All of us are, are sinners. And, and absent uh, the, the saving blood of Jesus Christ, none of us have any hope, regardless of whether it's voodoo or just sin or, you know, all the stuff we struggle with. So uh, I want you to know that, yeah, voodoo is is a real thing in Haiti. It's not as pervasive as people think it is. And the Christian church is alive and well in Haiti. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, I was talking to uh, a pastor there, Pastor uh, Joseph, in a little community called Kadwa. And uh, he said, you know, the interesting thing is that the people in Haiti are so incredibly desperate and they know they can't turn anywhere else. I mean, they they, they have literally nowhere to turn. Uh, you know, the mm. government offers them no support. There's no safety nets like welfare or food stamps or anything like that. Mm. Uh, you know, their neighbors are just as poor as they are. So the only place that they have to turn is to God and to the church. And so in the middle of the day, you will be driving around uh, Haiti and you'll come into a deserted little village and and uh, you'll hear uh, the sounds of worship going on in uh, in a church. And man, I'm telling you, these people are on fire. They are in there in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, worshiping. It's not just church on Sunday, but they are in church all the time seeking the face of the Lord, and that's that's where they get their hope from. Hmm. And in the face of the, the level of hopelessness that uh, that they are facing, you know, it's, it's absolutely critical. But, you know, the thing about it is these pastors that we work with at the churches, they have that pastoral heart, just like you guys. You guys are both pastors. You know what it's like to know uh, that you have, a, a, you know, someone in your congregation that's in need. And in this case... A lot of the the crushing stuff is the just the material need. We don't face a lot of that in right. in a lot of places here in the U.S., but they do in Haiti. They need food. They need water. Uh, they need medicine. They need medical attention. Things like that. And these pastors are just as poor as the people that attend their church, and so they have a heart to help. But they don't have the resources to help. So imagine uh, what happens when Food for the Poor comes in, begins partnering with that pastor, and provides those absent resources. Man, that is like the real deal gospel right there, because suddenly it's not just, hey, you know, I'm praying for you. I mean, that's awesome. But when your kids are starving, you know, uh, prayers can sometimes sound like a a hollow promise. You know what I mean? Mm, Right, right. When a pastor can come in and say, hey, you know what? Uh, Just got word that Food for the Poor has the ability to add three more families to the feeding program. And so here you go. Let's get your kids fed. Man, suddenly that is a gospel that has impact and that has weight. And so, friends, that's what you make happen when you give to Food for the Poor. The feeding programs are already in place. 2,600 points of distribution of food, largely through churches, some schools, but largely churches all across the country of Haiti. And when you make your $27 monthly gift or your $320 monthly gift or a one-time gift, or it could be monthly, that'd be cool too, but it's a $320 <laughs> one-time gift, uh, you know, you allow another family to, to feel the love of Jesus in a tangible way. And I'm telling you, because I've seen it with my own eyes, your gifts change lives. 
And I want you to know that today. I want you to hear that, especially during this season of hope and this season of joy uh, that we're celebrating here at Christmas time. Uh, you know, in Haiti, yeah, they, they, they celebrate Christmas, but it's hard to celebrate when you don't have, you know, anything to eat. Right. Uh, but you can you can really bring hope into a dark situation right now. Yeah, and again, that number to call, and we're encouraging you to call right now. Whatever you're doing, go ahead and hit pause. Step away from the dishes if you have to. 855-901-4673. That's 855-901-HOPE, or you can go to 1160hope.com. A $320 one-time gift, or $27 a month, provides food for a year, water for life for one family. There also is a business benefactor level. Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yep. If you're a business owner, a marketing manager for a business, or if you would like to promote something like your church, your school, a ministry, uh, then you need to become an AM 1160 Food for the Poor Business Benefactor. Here's how it works. A one-time gift of $1,000. You will receive 40 one-minute commercials that will air right here on AM 1160 between 5 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. So it's a win-win. Food for the Poor gets the $1,000. Uh, families get food and water and you, your organization, your school, your church, whatever it is, uh, gets these commercials here on the radio station. All the money goes to food for the poor. And you can use those commercials, as we said, to promote your business, your church, your school or your ministry. So if that's something you want to do, we know lots of businesses are, are they've got end of the year giving to do. Uh, you know, you've got you got some somewhere you want to make a donation. Uh, if you want to learn more about becoming a, bin, a business benefactor, uh, call Jeff Reisman at 847-472-8921. That's 847-472-8921. And for everybody else, what we're asking today is $27 a month, which comes out to about $320 a year, less than a dollar a day. That will provide food for a year and water for life for one entire family of four. Some of you can give more than that. Some of you, it's less. $80 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. So 855-901-4673 or go to 1160hope.com. You're listening to The Common Good. We are being joined by Todd Chapman for Food for the Poor. Todd's going to join us for one more segment as we continue to try to help families in Haiti. Coming up next on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, Ian Simpkins here. And after we had this marriage conference with Thrivent and two other local churches, it kind of piqued my interest to learn more about this organization. We had such a good response with them at the conference. I was kind of interested in seeing what else they did. And so they actually provided me with this list of like 12 or 13 different topics that they offer free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And the thing that was crazy is that each of these topics were things that people in my church were actually asking me, things that I didn't really know how to talk about. And so they offered numerous free workshops for the people in our church to help them be wise with money and to live generously. And let me tell you, it was this really beautiful sort of no strings attached kind of a, we want to help you do this better. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with Thrivent and being really grateful for the ways that they were coming alongside us and the local churches around us. And if you're interested at all in learning more, I cannot encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. How do you make money? There aren't any jobs, so I, I don't have a job. And is it hard when they say, Mommy, I'm hungry? What do you say to them? I tell them I don't have anything to give you. And they they have to know the truth. 
You what do you pray to God about your family and your children? As God to put life in my hands so that I can take care of my kids. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. And we're being joined uh, one more segment here with Todd Chapman from Food for the Poor. Uh, Todd is on with us uh, to help raise awareness of the humanitarian crisis going on in the nation of Haiti and what we can do about it by just $27 a month, helping provide food for a year and water for life for an entire family of four. Todd, can you speak about this? Uh, kind of on a more theological basis. You know, a lot of people listening are probably followers of Jesus. Just kind of both the call and the opportunity that generosity is for us as Christ followers. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, first of all, the the thing that uh, God keeps driving home in my heart, um, you know, is that, uh, um, first of all, caring for the poor is not presented to us as an option when right. we are followers of Christ. I mean, there's 300 verses in the Bible that, that uh, you know, talk about this. I've, I've got my computer open to a bunch of them right now. I'm looking at Acts, you know, chapter 20, Proverbs 28, Deuteronomy, Matthew, 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 Luke, First John, Galatians, Deuteronomy. I mean, you know, Old Testament and New. Yeah. It's in there in, in all different forms. And even Jesus himself, you know, who said, uh, who said in, in Luke, uh, you know, sell your possessions and give to the poor. This is kind of a big deal. 300 verses in Scripture. And so, you know, this is part and parcel to what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because, uh, you know, when we love Jesus, then we, we also have to love people. That's the second commandment, right? And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think that to me that's even amplified even more uh, when you're talking about uh, an expression of love for people that literally are, are in need of just the basic stuff in life. Food and water. And adequate shelter and, and oftentimes medicine. And uh, I, I just don't know how, I mean, I know for me, because I've just been blessed to stare it in the face and have, you know, that level of poverty stare back at me. Mm. Uh, I mean, I've looked moms in the eye and, and I mean, you hear that audio. Mm-hmm. I want you to imagine standing three feet in front of a mom as she's holding her infant. And, and you can just tell from looking at that baby and from looking at that mom, you can just, the, the desperation is palpable. Mm-hmm. And how can you turn away from that uh, as a human being, whether you're a Christian or not? But especially as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, it's like, man, poverty is a byproduct of sin and brokenness. And as believers, aren't we supposed to do everything we can to bring love and hope and redemption into the midst of that? And so, friends, I just want to encourage you that this is the very, very high calling of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, especially for those of us who were so blessed to be born here in the United States of America. I mean, you know, we talk about $27 a month, and for most of us, Honestly, that's kind of no-brainer level of money. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, that's coffee money, mm-hmm. that's candy bar money, that's protein bar money. That you know, uh, my wife and I are going to go out to the movies tonight. Mm. I bought the tickets online today. We're going to go see the new Star Wars movie. Wow! And, you know, we're excited about that. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. No, right. You know, I mean, God's blessed us. We can do that, and I'm thankful for that. But man, I didn't. I didn't have to pray about that twenty. My, the tickets hit us for. Well, it's cheaper here where I lived than in Chicago. But in Chicago, you know, is, you're yeah. probably probably looking at thirty thirty bucks for yeah. two movie tickets, and you haven't even touched the popcorn and all that stuff. But you know, and again, I'm not guilting anybody, but I think it's good for us to just always bear in mind the fact that for less than most of us, than the kind of money most of us toss around without thinking about, you could literally 
change the world for a family in Haiti, for a mom like Rosemary. You just heard her voice. You hear her little baby in the background. And guys, what she said there, uh, you know, what do you say to your kids when, when they say, Mommy, I'm hungry? She says, I have to tell them the truth. Mm. Yeah. That there is no food. Yeah. Man, I want that truth to change. And the amazing thing is that this is this is God extending through the radio, through the common good. I know you're here every day. You love the guys. You love the show. God is extending invita- an invitation for you right now to change the truth that Rosemary can tell her kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because her answer could be, we're going to go to the church and we're going to get our, our meal for the day right. because God has provided. And man, what do you think that will do, not only in her heart, but in the lives of, of her kids? And um, I'll tell you the thing that I, I love about this, guys, is, you know, uh, the trickle down effect of when you give a gift. To, to meet these families' needs. It doesn't just impact one person or that family. It's, it's witnessed by the community at large, and it does restore hope. Even mm. for people that aren't getting the food right then, it gives them hope to hang on another day or another week until their turn comes. And you get to do that right now when you call 855-901-4673. So, that's a theology, guys. It's not, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm stupid. I got to keep it simple, but it's love God and love people. Yeah. Every chance we get, right? All right. So, Todd, as a as a pastor, I'm always really interested in like human behavior and what the tipping point is for people. So, I imagine there's a number of different people listening to the show right now or on the podcast, and I imagine a, a large slice of that pie are people who are like, "Yeah, I'm a churchgoer. I'm a Christ follower. I believe in the great commandment: love God, love others." I'm just not convinced entirely or I'm not I'm not entirely motivated enough to pick up the phone or to go to 1160hope.com like what in your experience having not done this for a while tends to be kind of the tipping point of human behavior from moving from oh that's a sad story or oh gosh that need sounds really dire to actually moving to action what what does that look like in your experience well i mean i wish i could uh, just pack everybody on a plane and take you to haiti yeah right right (laughs) you know if i could walk you into any one of the homes of these moms that you've heard us uh you know put on the radio here uh you couldn't hold back uh you just you just couldn't because it becomes so incredibly real but unfortunately you know we have we have barriers here right i mean we Mm. you know i'm talking to you through a speaker in your car as you're surrounded by you know um, you know, driving through traffic and you're thinking about dinner tonight. We have a lot of things competing for our attention. And uh, so I, I but I think, you know, whether it's in serving the poor or even spiritual disciplines within our own lives. Right. We have to cut through that clutter and all of those distractions and always be very attentive to that small voice of the Holy Spirit uh, who I think for many of us brings along many, many more opportunities mm-hmm. to be Jesus than we even really realize, you know, and yeah. I, you know, I know for me, I'm increasingly convicted. My wife and I get together every morning during our quiet time and, uh, you know, we're, our, our prayer increasingly is Lord, just make us sensitive to how you want to use us today. Mm. Uh, and you know, maybe it's never entered your mind that God wants to use you to minister, to minister to a family in Haiti until now. Yeah. Until now, you know, we get a pass, guys. Ignorance gives us a pass, mm. right? Mm. In, until we, n- until we know. Yeah. And now that you know what the need is, I believe that we are um, accountable for mm. that knowledge. And what are we going to do with that? And I, and I'm not saying that just because I've, you know, I've, I've made you aware of the need in Haiti that you must give to Haiti. But I do think we are obligated at that point to say, okay, Lord, why do you have me hearing this? You know, just like, uh, you know. 
when you bring it closer to home, how many times you walking down the streets of Chicago and you see a bum and we just kind of look the other way rather than just saying, God, is there something I can do here? Yeah. Yeah. So that's Todd Chapman. You're hearing 855-901-4673, 855-901-4673, or go to 1160hope.com. And for only $27 a month, that is less than a dollar a day, you can help provide food for a year and water for life for an entire family of four uh, in Haiti, where there is a legitimate uh, and overwhelming humanitarian crisis. And before we close this, let me remind you that you can become an AM 1160 business benefactor. That has, this works this way. If you're a business owner, uh, a marketing manager for a business, or if you would like to promote your church, your school, your ministry, then you need to become an AM 1160 Food for the Poor business benefactor. For a one-time gift of $1,000, you will receive 40 one-minute commercials that will air right here on AM 1160 between 5 a.m. and 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. All the money goes to food for the poor, and you get to use those commercials any way you want, right? Any way, any way you want. (laughs) You can promote your business, your church, your school. You can gift it to your pastor or the principal of the school, whatever you want to do with it. So to learn more about becoming a business benefactor, call Jeff Reisman uh, at 847-472-8921. That's 847-472-8921. And let us just remind you, 855-901-4673 or 1160hope.com, and there you can make a difference in families that need it so much. Todd uh, Chapman from Food for the Poor. Thanks, bud. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Thank you, guys. God bless you. You too. You too, John. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. That's the Common Good uh, Radio Show on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can find us online at 1160hope.com. And as always, find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. We are grateful for those of you uh, who do that. Before Ian tells us about this article out of NPR, let me tell you about my pillow. And not only just about my pillow, but we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. Uh, just in time for the holidays, if you buy a set of Giza cotton sheets from MyPillow, you'll get the second set free. That's two for one. Not only that, but you'll get free shipping. And if you add anything else to your order, like my pillows, mattress toppers, towels, anything, those items will ship for free as well. And common good listeners can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, but you have to use the promo code WYLL. You know, my wife and I, uh, we were able to get some of the pillows and some of the towels and the Giza sheets. Sleeping like a baby. Oh, you told me last time you can't say sleeping like a baby because babies don't sleep well. Sleeping like a teenager because Mm. they sleep for a long time well. So I would encourage you uh, from personal experience to get some of these. So all products, they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials box, and get two sets of Giza cotton sheets for the price of one. Whoa. Plus free shipping on your entire order. So that's MyPillow.com. Click the radio specials box and enter promo code WYLL or call 1-800-489-0201. That's 1-800-489-0201. MyPillow.com, promo code WYLL.
L. And do those come with windows? Or? I wish I need new windows. Mm. Somebody out there. Huh. I would take my pillow windows. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I comfortable. I have so much draft coming in, I'm going to need to put Giza sheets up over them soon. There's a, there's a draft joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> so at NPR.org, uh, an interesting headline, FCC approves plan for a three-digit suicide prevention number. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, you pretty much explained the whole thing, Brian. Whole Thanks a lot for about that. taking on my steam. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a lesson you learn as early as grade school. It says if you find yourself injured, threatened, or otherwise in harm's way, just break out your phone and dial the simple three-digit number, 911. After more than five decades, the 911 emergency call system has become so memorable and ubiquitously known, it even has its own network TV adaptation. But what if the danger is rooted less in the physical and more in one's mental health? On Thursday, the Federal Communications Commission unanimously voted to proceed with a proposal to set up a new hotline similar to 911, only instead of dialing the police, the number would connect callers to experts in suicide prevention and mental health. The proposed number, 988, would link callers to an already existing network of crisis centers around the country set up by the Department of Health and Human Services. That network, comprised of 163 such call centers around the country, is already accessible at 1-800-273-TALK or online right here. But The simplified alternative laid out Thursday would, in the words of FCC uh, report published in August, make it easier for Americans in crisis to access potentially life-saving resources. I'll stop there. There's a lot more Mm -hmm. specifics. Mm -hmm. But I think, one, this is a brilliant idea. Two, I think it's like long overdue. Yeah. I just find it really uh, encouraging because I think one thing that it says here, and we've talked a lot about this on the show, is that mental health issues seem to be coming out of the darkness in our culture and thankfully in our churches too. They're kind of coming out of the darkness and kind of uh, people are, are discussing them more at like they are, right? In, uh, more like an illness or like you would with, you know, if you had, a, if you had cancer or you had a broken arm or something like that. And listen to some of these statistics. Uh, it said uh, the U.S. recently has seen its highest rates of suicide since World War II. He said more than 47,000 Americans died by suicide and more than 1.4 million adults attempted suicide in 2017. Uh, In a span of less than two decades from 1999 to 2017, the age adjusted suicide rate rose about 33 percent. It says suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people aged 10 to 24 who saw a stark 56 percent rise in suicide rates from 2007 to 2017 and overall suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the u.s so with anything else where we saw those kind of statistics we would be like this is a crisis uh that we've got to get our arms around as a culture and so uh being that that is suicide i think that it is a really positive step not the only step obviously but a really positive step to say we've got to uh, put op- opportunities and options out there for people who may be feeling like they want to take their own life. Well, the the stat you skipped over, the at-risk populations such as veterans, LGBTQ youth, and American Indians have been shown to be particularly mm. vulnerable, which I, I think at first blush, you m- maybe wouldn't necessarily see a linkage between those yeah. three categories, which is why I think something like this is so important because, and we've tackled this a number of times on this show in the last year, we've had a number of mental health experts in the studio that are way smarter than we are, but... Um, more often than not, it feels like anytime, especially when there's like a high profile suicide, it feels like there's all there's almost a script of close friends and family saying, hey, we had no idea or yep. gosh, this totally caught us by surprise. And I think 
man, if even the people closest to those who are maybe even potentially you know at, at highest risk mm-hmm. um, don't even have an inkling, and sometimes they do, sometimes they're very, very aware that you know they've been fighting a battle for a long time and we're just unable to conquer that. But to provide some kind of quick access, I'm curious if you think that will make us like a, a significant impact or a nominal impact or like what, what, what would be your prediction for making something like this more accessible? Like how in your experience, like if somebody really, really needed to talk to someone, would they still have the wherewithal to like Google? What was that hotline number again? Well, or is it really like in the moment urgent? And like, if I don't remember this number in the first, right. in the next 10 seconds, uh, there's no hope for me. And I think that's the point of making it a three digit number like 911, right? Like my guess is in the beginning, people didn't remember 911 right off the bat, but now we all know it. Uh, and, and my hope is that I don't know if it'll make a significant impact right away, but it'll make an important impact because it will give another avenue for people who are struggling and who don't have, a, they, they can't imagine there to be a way out to. Uh, to go, well, maybe one last you, you picture this being one last ditch effort for people to be like, OK, maybe I can get some help and then a professional on the other line and start that healing. So I would guess uh, part of the reason of making it just a three digit number like 911, but instead making it 988 is uh, that will over time get into the uh, cultural consciousness that over time people will know it much more, be- much better. And the other thing that I find so surprising and daunting is that, you know, of these 163 crisis centers we mentioned, um, last year alone, they took more than uh, 2.2 million calls and more than 100,000 online chats. Wow. In one year. Yeah, that's crazy. And we have no idea how many of those were repeat calls, but but still, like those those numbers are staggering. Why do you think it took them so long to uh, to propose or push forward? Something? I'm sure they've been talking about a three-digit option for a while. Why do you right. think that took so long? Right. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Why this particular thing? But I do think whether it be in culture as a whole, but also we've talked a lot about it in churches. I just think suicide, especially uh, generationally, is just not some mental health is not something that I can remember us really talking about as a culture mm. until recent years. Mm. And uh, I think that's part of it. I think that's. Um, I, I think people are much more aware, mostly because of those statistics we read earlier, that it's an increasing problem. Uh, and so I think this is a way for us as a culture to wrestle with that. Why do you think it's such an increasing problem? An increasing problem? Mm. Uh, I think we've talked about loneliness, general loneliness of people. Uh, I think, um, you know, I, I think that we have a hyper um, competitive people wanting to always think that, that, you know, on social media thinking I've got to match up to this or to this or to this. I just think that there's this pressure cooker, especially for our youth. Uh, that causes people to break and then, you know, add the mental health side of this. And uh, it's a recipe for for a stru- for a trouble. You, you think that's more so now than it was 15 years ago? You think our competitiveness and our Maybe comparison? Uh, it's something's more. I mean, well, how would you answer that? Because obviously the numbers are going up at an alarming rate. So there's something that's changed. And I'm trying to think what has changed other than the connectivity and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think it's almost, I mean, my guess would almost be the opposite. I think we're more isolated than we ever were. I think we're yeah, I agree. physically less active as a country than we ever were. I think that plays a part. I think um, the comparison beast is probably part of it. But anyone that I've I've talked to that's like really struggled with suicidal ideation, it's not just bummed out. It's Agreed. not just feeling sad. Like people often talk about like being suicidal is like, oh, they're just really, really sad. Yep. Like, no, no, no. That's not what that is so that to me it has to be something deeper and more systemic and likely more subtle than just 
I'm comparing myself a whole lot more because that's probably leading people to be a whole lot more sad. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's necessarily what's contributing to like an increase, like a high, the highest suicide rate since World War II. Which is really interesting. I mean, not interesting. It's, just, it's sad. It's hard. It's really, really sad. Yep. So we would love your uh, feedback on this. You can find it at Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. I should I should mention, and especially if any of you are struggling out there, that this 988 number, it's just a proposal that is working its way through the system. Uh, and the notice proposes an 18-month time frame for making this a reality. So if you need help, uh, don't call that number, but still reach out to a suicide hotline. Get the help you need today. Well, coming up next, we're going to turn a corner here. Uh, it's Christmas time, and we're going to do some feel-good stories that will hopefully make us feel good and get in uh, the Christmas cheer coming up next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. Glad to have you join us. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. That's The Common Good Radio Show on Twitter at Common Good Talk, online at 1160hope.com. And you can find our podcast. Where can they find our podcast? We have a podcast? Yeah, and it can be found lots of places. Hmm. Like on a plane, on a train? Interestingly, I was playing with our podcast the other day. Uh, you were playing with like it? I like I was looking at the reviews. You are playing fast with it or something? <laughs> that was a weird way go, to put it. Go get a podcast. I was looking at our podcast, and somebody <laughs> made a comment earlier uh, this week that was like, uh, I love your podcast because I don't get enough of Ian at church. No. Look it up. That Look was a up. comment? That was a comment on our podcast. No, you're making this up. I am not making How that up How do I even see comments all. on I am going to show you here momentarily. This makes for bad radio, so I will How not do I talk even about do this? it. How do I I'll get it. I promise I don't want to. We don't no, need we're to. not going to do it here. Okay, don't feed my but ego I, anymore then. I am going to show it to you. I'm gonna be, I was going to comment like, I'm here, too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, everyone, Brian's really words of affirmation (laughs) through the roof. You got to make sure to keep that ego well fed. Yep, yep. So anyway, one thing we want to do here uh, is uh, have some feel-good stories to kind of point us at Christmas time and to say, uh, you know what, there's some good people out there. Because a lot of times on this show, for good reasons, we talk about the bad stuff, the bad stuff in our culture, the bad stuff in the world, the bad stuff in the church, and whatever else it might be. We try to wrestle hard subjects. Uh, but this, uh, I want to go with something different. Ready for the story? Yeah, let me make a comment real quick. <laughs> go ahead. So you're right. That's super, that's super kind, uh, whoever said this. And then the rest of the comment said, not a fan of the recent plan to break <laughs> up the segments in separate podcasts. Makes it difficult to follow. Can we go back to just the full episodes? And hopefully you are listening. We also do the full episodes. John just breaks them up for people that want to find just that specific interview. It's a both and. But it is a both and. So all those full episodes are all still completely right there for your convenience. For your convenience. Yes, there you go. Thank you. That is really super kind. And now I feel like I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the first story out of Alabama. They say they say it's better to give than to receive. And that never rings true. They all do. (laughs) They all do. Uh, That never rings more true than during the holiday. Season. So that same Christmas spirit was alive in one Adonimus, Adonimus, Anonymous donor. Adamus from Greek mythology. I just combined Anonymous and donor. (laughs) One Anonymous donor, a secret Santa who paid off around $65,000 in layaway balances at a Walmart in Anniston, Alabama. Shoppers at this Walmart won't forget this gesture anytime soon. Hannah Haynes, in fact, walked into the store during her lunch break to pick up gifts for her children, and she left speechless. 
I said, I just want to check and see how much I owe on my layaway so I can get it off in time for Christmas, she said. Uh, The lady said, okay. And then she pulled up my account and she said, you don't know anything. And I said, excuse me? To Hannah's disbelief, the cashier was right. She said, yeah, uh, he came in and he paid off everyone's layaway totaling $65,000. The donor asked for one thing in return. The only thing he asked was that each person receives this paper. It reads, God loves you. Jesus paid the price. Hannah says she wants to use her recent bit of good fortune to extend kindness to others. Every day I'm going to wake up like, how can I bless someone? How can I show someone that type of love? What an awesome story and so many cool principles in here. I do really like that. Uh, Jesus paid it all means something different, but (laughs) I I like the sentiment. (laughs) Yes, yes. I would be remiss to not. I remember reading like a comic years ago. And it was like a pastor yelling at the worship pastor saying, uh, maybe next time we don't pay, we don't play Jesus paid it all as we're passing the offering plate <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I was like, okay, I can see how those, that could be conflicting messages. But yes, yes. I, I mean, again, I love the, uh, the challenge to, hey, don't just, we say this at community all the time, we're blessed to be a blessing. Yes. Right? Kind of harkening back to Abraham and Genesis. So the idea that it's not just like, hey. You feel good. Now maybe uh, maybe spread this to someone else. I actually saw a friend yesterday, two days ago. He made a post. It was just him with his arm around a guy. And he said, I went to this coffee shop. And the guy said, hey, man, love you, you all, I love your jacket. And uh, my buddy goes, oh, thanks, man. Um, do you want it? <laughs> and the guy goes, wow. I mean, yeah, I would, I would love that jacket. So the picture is this other guy wearing the jacket. And the deal he made with him, he says, you can wear it until uh, the next time somebody compliments on, on it, you have to ask them. No. Oh, thanks, man. Well, would you had, like it? And it, it just came to him. It just came to him, yeah. And he's like, man, I got a lot of traction out of that $7 thrift store jacket. So like wild. giving him the same challenge. Yep. Like, hey, if somebody actually agrees, the whole pay it forward you thing. have to ask them the same question. I thought, what a fun kind of principle. And I just love this because obviously $65,000, a lot of us don't have that ability to go pay off the layaway. Not but, I, said the cat. But we can do, it's the spirit of this, right? So are there things you can do for your neighbors or your friends or just people, strangers, unexpected things? Because I do think it shows a principle here in which... Uh, the person who received the blessing, like you just said, said, now I wake up going, how can I show this same kindness to others? That sounds really biblical to me. Well, and it's nice, too, because I I think it's one of those things as Christ followers, we know we're supposed to do that, but sometimes don't we just get kind of caught in our own, like, inward-focused, selfish? Like, sometimes it takes the generosity of someone else to snap us out of that way of thinking. Like, oh, I could also be living generously toward other people. I think that's that's a good principle. Yep, and then there's another story and I know he does this every year, but actor Gary Sinise, you may remember him best known as Lieutenant Dan in Forrest Gump. Uh, is that what he's best known for, you think? Uh, I think he also played Adamus. <laughs> <laughs> the anonymous donor. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's on what uh, he's on a he's on like a CBS show, too. A CSI, an NCIS, say something. Some kind of acronym. But he uh, he took 1,750 family members of fallen soldiers on a five-day trip to Disney World. That's so awesome. Uh, the trip is part of the Gary Sinise Foundation Snowball Express. The program started in 2006 when Sinise fulfilled a fallen soldier's wish to take his kids to Disney World. He said the important ingredient is that these kids meet each other and they know they're not alone. They make friendships that last a lifetime. That's awesome. Families from over 87 cities throughout the world came to the most magical place on earth with a surviving parent or guardian. This marks the 14th anniversary of the Snowball Express. Partnering with corporate sponsors, the foundation sees this trip as an important part in a family's 
healing process. And it goes on to describe it more and more. But you read stuff like that. And again, you know, I don't know what you're making a community, but I can, you know, I can't take set 1,750 people to Disney World. But it's still, he goes, there's something I'm passionate about. There's a need. I'm going to step in and bless people. Uh, What a cool opportunity. We wanted to bring both these stories to you because they're just cool stories, encouraging stories that we're hoping will spur the two of us. But anybody out there listening, you go, how can I bless other people this Christmas season? Well, I actually made a little uh, month of kindness calendar on the the Beauty and the Common page. Yeah. So if you go that, I think we might have shared it here. I don't Mm. don't know if that's true. But I, I, uh, it's just one simple act of kindness for each day of the month. What would be some examples? There's some really, really odd ones. Like, um, like leave some change in the vending machine after you leave. Oh, that's or, a weird uh, one. That's funny. Or like leave quarters at a laundromat. But others are like, here are websites you can go to to donate uh, diapers to families that uh, wow. can't afford them. Or to even really, really simple things like just buy coffee for the car behind mm-hmm. you in the drive through Or pay for someone else's toll. Or some of them are even so simple as like, hey, just let someone merge into your lane. They're probably in a hurry too. Or leave a gift for your mail carrier, you know, towards Christmas because they're probably stressed out. You know, like like simple things that while most of us don't have sixty five grand or can fly families to Disney World, like these, they were meant to be like really achievable. Um, did you think these up yourself, like, or with a team, or did you get them from somewhere? No, I, I, I thought up some of them on myself. Some, uh, that's really cool. Some of them I borrowed from other websites. Yeah. You, you know, I tried to collaborate uh, or condense at least the favorite yep. ones that I find. I make a new one every year. I really enjoyed that one of uh, leaving quarters at a laundromat. Well, I remember when we were first married, we had not a laundromat, but our apartment building had you had to go pay to do your laundry, right? And man, if somebody had left a roll of quarters there, that would have been like Christmas. That would have made it right. But a roll is what ten dollars. Yeah, yeah, and and it's always the annoyance of having to go find the quarters uh-huh. too. But also just to like, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. It is, and again, it's meant to not be like these huge. You're not even supposed to, you know, like post it that you did it online necessarily. It's meant to be like, hey, throughout the course of 24 hours, or there are a couple of things that you could do here that uh, that might be meaningful. You want to hear a couple of others? Sure. As soon as the screen loads, I'll actually tell you. It's loading. Okay, it's here loading. we go. Um, you can do the coffee one. You can leave an encouraging note somewhere. You can uh, buy some extra dog or cat food and drop it off at a shelter. Oh. Some of these are like totally free. Just leave an amazing Yelp review for your favorite restaurant. How many of us have an awesome restaurant? Yep. We just never take the time to leave a review. Send flowers to a hospital or nursing home to be passed out. You told us you said one the other day. That's Done. cool. Buy some. Uh, you can grab some stray shopping carts and bring them inside just to help out the kid that's yeah. getting paid minimum wage to gather them. Turn your phone off and be present with your family. Send a goofy e card. E cards are free, you know, yes. just to someone that you love. I like those. Yeah, just a couple of snap out of all the craziness kind of ideas. That's awesome. This is kind of a different type of subject as we close this up. But like your Yelp review. Yeah, my wife is better than anyone I've ever met at when we're at a restaurant and she likes the waiter or they're nice with us. She will go search out the manager yeah. every time. Most people do that to complain. Right. She will always like, "What's your name?" Gets the name, goes over because she used to be a waitress and knows that that often will get them I a free love meal that. or free. Totally. And it's like every time she's like, what's Good your name? Her. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. Because most people, most waiters or waitresses get complained about. But right. this is like, hey, they did awesome. And they always write it down. They thank them. And you know they're going to go get like a it's going to help them. So. I love that your wife does that. When I was a server, I would often have people do that. And then because they complimented me to the manager would then forego the tip. 
Oh, no. I was like, no, no, please also tip. That's... Maybe we're allowed to do that. I'm oh, just kidding. Gosh. <laughs> Brian from uh, everybody. Well, we hope that that was helpful, both encouraging, but it encourages you uh, to think about ways that you can be a blessing to others. Well, coming up next, we're going to end the show the same way we always do with crazy interweb insanity stories from the Internet. That's next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the Internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Welcome back to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Thank Alongside you. Alongside Ian Simpkins, my name is Brian Fromm. It is that time of the show. Land you the laugh plane. every time. You laugh every time I do that, by I the really way. I really do. Land the plane. You keep trying to power through. Park like the keep, bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever else. Lock Even the Even with bike. me interrupting, you're <laughs> yeah. still I'm just going through. You're, you're doing good. So why don't you go first? These are crazy stories. We've not read them. We will be. Uh, we'll find them funny if you find them funny. We'll be insulted if you're insulted. Go ahead. Can What's you just, the first uh, one? just explain them a little bit more? What? Where did this come from? This idea of kickers. That's a great question. We've been doing them since day one. I think we used to do them at the end of each hour. Yeah, it was too much for a full segment. Yeah, and so now we do them. Uh, they come from key, uh, and we didn't used to do them with sound effects either in the beginning at all. I don't think so, or at least there was no beginning music or whatever that is. We call that. Yeah, there's no rejoin music. Wait. Oh no, it was like sometimes surprise, like Looney Tunes music. Oh, that's right. And then we got sued by the FCC. That's right. That's right. We almost lost our job. I for don't that. think that's how. <laughs> I don't know how much I can joke on this show. So uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Our executive producer, Keith Conrad, our Mm. regular producer, PJ, uh, they come up with these and uh, we read them sight unseen. You think they'll ever go away or we're just going to keep... I like forever. them, so I like to do You do forever. like doing them I do. a lot. That's, I do. Would you say it's your favorite part of the show? Mm, it depends on the show. I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to burn as much time. Why are we burning time? I just think it'd be fun for us to have to fly through these five stories really, really quickly. I think we're at that point. Are we at that point? Let's five stories in three and a half minutes? You got it. Here we go, England. Driver got so drunk he didn't realize he'd lost a tire pulled over by police. <laughs> wow. Oh, there's supposed to be a comma there, I think. <laughs> Cops were left baffled after having to stop a driver who was so drunk he didn't realize that the car uh, he was in had no tire. Special special constables from constables, South yes. Yorkshire police arrested the driver. It's very English, yeah, it really is. After finding the badly damaged, what is that? Pugiats, <laughs> the Pugiats in Rotherham, Persia. South Yorkshire. It's on, on Saturday night. Go. Have you been drinking? I'm yeah. not drunk. Next one's in Pennsylvania. Oh. Three teens face charges for throwing sliced cheeses, cheese at vehicles. Huh. Okay. Pennsylvania State Police have filed charges against three teens for disorderly conduct Conduct after... I can't read today. <laughs> I have a talking problem today. I can't read any day, so I have no room to It's judge. not even a reading problem. It's a talking problem today. No, that's true. After investigators said they threw sliced cheese at... It's better than a block of cheese. Is at it? vehicles and residents. Both incidents were reported between midnight and 6.30 a.m. A vehicle and residents were found covered in sliced cheese, according to troopers. Cheese, it's good. How dare he? That's stupid. I'm sorry. Australia. Venomous snake found hiding among shoes inside home. Are you want to guess which snake drop it is? Indiana Jones or snakes on a plane? Snakes on a plane. This time. A pl- okay. Australia- you, you can have Indiana Jones. Uh, I can have it. Yes. What's the over under? Yeah. Uh, an Australian snake catcher shared video of an unusual incident at a home in which a venomous snake had disappeared into an, ass- an assortment of shoes. Oh. Mm. Stuart McKenzie of Sunshine Coast Snake Catcher said he responded to a Nindery Queensland home at which residents spotted a snake slithering across the floor. The residents told McKenzie the snake vanished into shoes on the floor. Snakes. 
Why I win. Snakes. What do I get? I feel like we're in a rut with the snake. We kind of are. We kind of are in a rut. All right, California. Bear climbs on car stopped in traffic in California. Wow, this is scary. A driver stopped in traffic outside a national park in California captured video of a bear that climbed onto the back of the car in front of her. Taylor Hawkins said she was stopped in a long line of vehicles outside Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park when a bear wandered into the road and climbed mm. up onto the trunk. Hawkins' video shows the bear linger for a moment on the trunk before jumping down and wandering off. Hey, boo-boo, let's see what we got in this picnic basket. How bear he? <laughs> no? No. Okay. No. All right, last but not least, Japan mom used cardboard cutout of herself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's great to picture. keep toddler from crying whenever she leaves the room. I'm going home and doing this immediately. A mother of Japan started using a cardboard cutout of herself to keep her one-year-old son from crying whenever she leaves the room. Huki Sato and her husband, Nija Sato, came up with a creative parenting hack and shared photos and video of the trick on Twitter. It's hard because my one-year-old child cries as soon as mom disappears. Uh, as a countermeasure, I experimented with what would happen if I set up a life-size panel mother. He added, as a result, it is not noticed for about... It is not noticed? Mm-hmm. I think it means to say he... Or she. He is not noticed for about 20 minutes. This panel may be useful occasionally. How do I look? There are no mirrors on this side. Fine, look fine. Yeah? Fine. Thanks. I've been feeling a little flat. <laughs> that picture is creepy. It is a little creepy. There's, I'm not there's going lie. to be some bad side effects for this child at you some think point. So? No, it's only a one year old. <laughs> Why don't you try it? Go home and try it, right? <laughs> well, not, not after that roaring endorsement. Probably See, side effects. You try it. You try it. <laughs> try it with your kid. <laughs> My kids are already too old. Join us tomorrow for The Common Good from 4 to 6 for Ian Simpkins. My name is Brian Fromm. Have a great night. You've listened to The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. 